This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by you. Hey, listen, camp is open. We are having a good time. It's great to have hockey back. Greg and I have the Bushers Banter Boys on today. Mike Murphy and Tom Ertz talk a lot about camp, talk a lot about the future of the season. Got a good couple of episodes coming up for you the next couple weeks. And Ranger hockey back, 56-game season, a lot of great times. All right, um, let's just get to the show, shall we? Here's Mark Messier. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Fans. Welcome to the Big of the Bush Bush Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kappel and Gregory. Say hello. The only good part mm-hmm. about the Rangers, you know what's funny? Yeah. I actually meant to say Mets, and I actually said Rangers. That's great. Um, <laughs> hey. <first laughs> the only good part of the Mets not signing the new ace out of Japan is I, I don't know how to say his name. That's, and I don't, I don't. That's fine. Don't, don't get canceled. That's all I'm saying. It's not worth it. Uh, He's. I would have liked to sign him. He's very good. I would have learned. I learned uh, Satoru Komiyama back in the day. Nice job. I probably can't say that. Uh, I watched a, Taking a Shot at Love this weekend and live-tweeted the entire thing. The Hallmark New York Rangers movie starring Ryan Coop, the Coop Cooper. Uh, I, have I, to- got, I got to say, yeah. uh, his nickname being Coop was the most <laughs> accurate part of that entire movie. That is 100% what dumb hockey players would call someone named Cooper. Before I go a little bit more into it over, I don't know, probably talk about it for 30 more seconds, we have our dear friends Mike Murphy and Tom Rich Jr. on the show today. They're from Bantered Blue Shirts. We talk a lot of New York Rangers hockey with them in just a little bit. Uh, but yes, I did watch the entire Hallmark movie, one of the first Hallmark movies I've ever watched. The yeah. plot, there, there's a couple parts I want to tell you about because they're just un- unbelievable. At one point he says, I'm from northern Canada. And then he says he's from Thunder Bay, which is like 20 miles north of the United States. And then, and then uh, at one point, there's a giant ice storm, and he can't go back to his her guest house where he's sleeping because he might hurt his ankle. So she has him sleep on separate couches. But it's an ice storm. But the reason I mention this, Gregory, is because a week later, he returns to the game to the Stanley Cup Finals versus Vancouver and scores the game-winning goal in overtime. What? <laughs> I just – ice... you're, 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 you're telling me. Yes. For this ice storm you speak of. Mm-hmm. He was staying at this significant other's house. It was his, his ballet trainer, okay? And then okay. she has a guest house. So the, she guest, the guest house is not connected to wherever she's staying. Correct. Yes? A, she has a guest house. Yes. But you're telling me you're 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 telling me uh-huh. that a hockey player can't negotiate ice in order to get back to his guest house. Yes. That's a hockey correct. player. Yes. Whose entire profession. To- is about being good on the ice. Too dangerous. His ankle, you know, the ballet was the whole point of treating the ankle sprain. Too dangerous to walk back in the ice storm in June. In June. In June. <laughs> and my favorite part of the whole movie, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, is mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, I'm spoiling it. He comes back and sees her in Connecticut, whatever. Uh, he takes James Dolan's private helicopter to see her after the game. Was he the team captain? No. <laughs> No, he's not. <laughs> also, where in Connecticut, can I ask? Uh, I don't does it, actually. Does it specify? I don't think it's. I think it might actually specify. Let me. Avon? A- Avon? Oh, Avon Farms. Yes. I you, believe. You know who's from Avon Farms? Who's that? George Springer. Oh, there we go. Full circle, baby. We did it. Nice job. Uh, but yes, that's the whole movie. If, if you have a chance to watch it, probably don't. But if you're a Ranger fan, also don't watch it. But if you want to hate yourself, do, the, do that. All right, now that we've talked about Hallmark, we can actually talk about real New York Ranger news because camp has opened. George, George Springer, technically from New Britain, Connecticut, but okay. I believe he went to Avon Farms. My apologies. Yeah, he went to Avon Old. He went to Avon Old Farms School. So I'm right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, my apologies. So uh, top stories going into camp. Uh, there are hmm. certain players that are not ready to participate in camp yet. Most notably, Mika Zibanejad. Uh, we are sort of waiting to find out exactly what's going on with them there's a chance well that's the thing we're not going to find out which means we already know uh i understand what the nhl players association and the nhl i i I get what they're doing um well just just before we go on here greg so the rules as as far as i'm concerned and the listeners are concerned is they said mm -hmm. they're not revealing if a player has covid before the season so aka 10 more days and then after the 10 days they will reveal if a player has covid or not during the season is that correct I I don't know if they're ever going to move to the point where they reveal, but by them not revealing, they're also revealing, right? This is kind of the situation we got to with 
ML with, with major league baseball. And it got to a point where they just started telling people if someone was sick, um, by saying he's not with the team and by saying you can't say why he's not with the team, you're saying why he's not with the team. So I don't quite understand who's being protected by this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I get it, right? These guys live in the limelight. It's unfair. If one of us contracted it, it's not our obligation to announce to the world that we've tested positive if we're taking the necessary protocols to make sure that, one, we are recovering, and, two, we are not putting anyone else at risk. You should be able to live your life however you want it to live. It's not anyone's business what you have, when you have it, yada, yada. At the same time, these guys are professional athletes. They, it's, it's, it, it, it's a different life they live than we do um, because of the nature of their business. It, it, it's just I, the idea behind not specific, specifically saying why a player is not with the team is only good in theory because if it wasn't COVID related, we would know what it is, but because it's COVID related, that's why we quote unquote, don't know what it is all the while knowing exactly what it is. Yeah. There's a chance. I it, mean, because it, because it, it just flew over, he could be quote unquote, still quarantining and following the rules. We don't know right. that it's not, we don't know if Mika necessarily is the one that tested positive. It could have very easily been Mika's fiance or a family member that Mika had been in contact with. X amount of days before camp opened. Correct. All of these things are possible. He could have just been a close contact for someone else on the team who did. Uh, we don't know. The fact that we don't know only leads to more questions. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we know we won't get the answers to those questions is exactly how we continue to end up in this vicious cycle of information. Like, is it easier for the Rangers to just say, Mika's is your bad, tested positive, he's out for the next two weeks? Probably. I would think, but it's also so much easier for the NHL to say Mika's advantage has a strained groin and yet we get stuff like lower body injury all the time. This is kind of in line with what the NHL is for, and the NHL doesn't have to be this way. They just are because it's the NHL. Absolutely. It's, it's a situation. I wonder if that's changes with gambling in the next couple of years as gambling becomes more legalized. It's, it's, you would think it would already change. You really would. Because gambling is already such a prominent thing in so many states, including New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Well, that you're, we're talking specifically mobile gambling at this point. Mobile gaming is the only bridge that hasn't been crossed. You can gamble anywhere you want and legally too, either on your phone or in a physical casino. So I don't know. The NHL is just very bad. The NHL is just very backwards in their thinking. It's, it's something we've talked about so many times before on this podcast. We don't need to use this as a reason why to get back into it now, but it it's a way for the game to move forward where it feels like the stewards of the game just don't want to. And it's, it's disappointing. Truly. Oh, there's just quick two pieces of news that I think it's important before we get, we talk all camp with uh, Mr. Tom Ertz and Mr. Mike Murphy in a couple of minutes here, pieces of notes uh, that I think are important to at least say on the podcast is uh, Dan Girardi is now a player development role with Buffalo. I guess he's kind of taken mm-hmm. um, the Tanner glass role with Buffalo. I do see Dan Girardi down the line. Um, possibly coming back to New York Rangers. I like Dan Girardi a lot, despite how much we've trashed him on this podcast when he was playing defense, when he couldn't play anymore. Uh, but an absolute quote-unquote warrior, uh, and I hope that he does yeah, well. Yeah, but if, if we had a podcast in, in 2012, oh, we, we have a completely different narrative of Dan Girardi. It just Dan so Girardi. happens that yeah. we started a podcast when Dan Girardi was over the hill. Yeah, Dan Girardi, is, he's a man, especially when he first started, absolutely. Uh, so I wish him nothing but, nothing but the best at Buffalo, and uh, it's great for him. Uh, speaking of uh, players we would have been ride or die for if we started a podcast back in 2012 ryan callahan has retired this week good for ryan uh happy for him had a good career and uh between msg and tampa um really no complaints I, i'm sure he would have liked to win a cup <laughs> but a uh, great career for ryan callahan and uh somehow uh is, is ryan callahan overrated or properly rated as a new york ranger yeah as a new york ranger because I mean, with Tampa, my gut reaction didn't really work properly out. rated. Yeah, I would say so too. I think he's probably but maybe rated. a little overrated. I feel like let me let me put it this way: I do feel like at times people talk about Ryan Callahan how they should have talked about Derek Stepan. That's does fair. that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Like Callahan was a very good, incredible player for the New York Rangers, a great role player, but was never really a star. Um, I think the C carried a lot of his legacy for him. He, but he wasn't like a, he wasn't a really top, like a prototypical top six 
caliber player. He wasn't the guy that was he was an, he was more emotional leader than on ice performance leader. And a lot of love that Ranger fans have for Ryan Callahan is love. They should have been they they should have been treating Stepan in a similar way. And for whatever reason, we just didn't. I I don't know if it's because simply because of the captaincy. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know if it's because Callahan is from Rochester, New York. Who knows? One thing I think it's important before we move on to our interview with Mike and Tom, uh, I think it's important for us to touch on is that you shouldn't take too much out of camp for real. I know we're going to, as people who cover it, we're going to take, try and take takeaways from it, but it's a 10 day camp. Who knows how much we can learn about these players. Yes. Jack Johnson scored the opening goal. Like we could all laugh about it. Yes. It was on Igor. Now he has to retire. We can all laugh about it. But there's only so much you're going to be learning in these 10 days. This season, because it's so strange, because it's so unique, really the preseason is going to be like your first two games against the Islanders. It's just like the restart again last year. Things are going to be sloppy. The team's not going to actually be the team you think it is until about 20 games in at this point. Um, So just sit back, enjoy the ride, overreact as much as you want online, get angry, get happy, and uh, just enjoy what you could just enjoy having hockey back because that's what you should be doing. Uh, at this point, there's not really a chance. Like, you're not going to learn. How much can you actually learn from this camp, Greg? Like, seriously, how much can we actually take away well, other than the Tony this, D'Angelo moving to the left thing? The entire point you're making mm-hmm. is actually why I'm encouraged about things that have happened on the first day of camp, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's 10 days. There are no preseason games. There's very little time for David Quinn to experiment. At some point, he has to just kind of go in with what he wants as opposed to just allowing the chips to fall as they may when you have a normal month-long spring uh, preseason. Um, that's why I'm actually encouraged about the news that trickled out in the first day of camp. We, we do talk about this with Mike and Tom, but it's worth mentioning here as well. Look, you and I spent months since the season ended talking about how we don't understand why the New York Rangers don't play one of their right-handed defensemen on the left side of the D, specifically Tony D'Angelo. And on the first day of camp, David Quinn says Tony D'Angelo is going to be partnering with Jacob Truba on his offhand. So it, it's we, it, that is very encouraging to see. Would David Quinn have eventually gotten to that point in normal season, in a normal training camp? Maybe. I don't know. But David Quinn understands he doesn't have a lot of time, so he can't fuck around as much as he wanted to. So David Quinn immediately getting to what we think is the right answer is super encouraging. Same thing can be said for the fact that David Quinn immediately is putting Kabakako on the second line, and David Quinn immediately is putting Julian Gauthier on the third line. Those are both super important things when you think about them in the micro. Totally Because, agree. again, like you said, he doesn't have a lot of time to experiment. David Quinn loves to tinker. These lines today will not be what the lines are on February 1st. We know that for a fact. But the fact that this is David, – David Quinn has to start the season with what he views is his base – setup his generic get clean the slate this is what happens when someone puts a gun to my head and these are the lines i need right, to create like, i have it's to win very, a game tomorrow my life is ve- on the line there it is this is what i have yeah it's very it's very encouraging to see that he knows tony d'angelo needed to be a top four role to justify what this team wants him to do and he's doing it he knows that jacob truba needed a defensive partner and that the new york rangers did not bring a left-handed defenseman in that couldn't naturally slot into that spot and he knows that he might not be able to use Keandre Miller in the way that the Rangers hopefully envision for him in a year or two down the road either because of dumb uh, bonus reasons this year or just because they don't want to make the same mistake they did with Lieber Hayek with Keandre Miller so David Quinn made a correct decision in our estimation he didn't put Brett Howden in a top nine role immediately. Now it's unfair to say because Mika Zibanejad is out and who, of course, is playing in between Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich, but mm-hmm. Brett Howden, who else? that's neither here nor there. We understand him. When he said he wants to use a line of Lafreniere, Hedl, and Gauthier, he could have easily said, look, Brett Howden's going to be on that line, but he has to fill in for Mika right now. That's not what he said. He said that's his third line. And that, to us, feels correct. And he says Panarin's going to play with Kako. That, to us, feels correct. So, you're right, Ryan. Your point of the Rangers not having time to experiment is 100% true. They're going to experiment as the season goes along. But as much as we've spent 
crapping on some of the decisions the Rangers made with personnel, mm -hmm. crapping on some of the styles that David Quinn has used as head coach, doubting whether David Quinn could be the guy for the long run with the New York Rangers. Credit where credit is due. It seems like David Quinn went three for three on his early camp decisions. I, I personally was stunned that he did it every time. It was almost as if he listens to this podcast. I don't think he does, because if he did, I'd have a lot more questions for him about whether he could lead this team in the long run, Agreed. the of which would be no. Yeah. But it it was it was stunning to see. I did not expect Tony D'Angelo to line up as a left-handed defenseman, regardless of the multitude of reasons we've said it's not just possible, but in the best interest of the New York Rangers. I did not expect to see Julian Goche immediately placed on the third line. And I had doubts about Capococco immediately getting placed on the second line. He went three for three. I, I, I'm i impressed. What can I say? I like David Quinn. Uh, I think we've actually defended David Quinn when people were like calling for his head at the beginning of last year, which seems like an eternity ago, uh, which is crazy that we actually were correct. Let's see what Quinn does this year and what he can do with this team. Um, and that's it. Let's transition over to our interview with Mike and Tom. But before that happens, uh, I want to talk about five-star questions. We're actually going to switch it up next week. So for a, little, a little surprise. Yeah. Um, we got a, we got a, a not so nice review. So I kind of want to go for that. You know, I want to build on it. So what I want you guys to do, if you're listening to, uh, at home or guys and girls, which, or, uh, anybody out there. I want you to leave a five-star roast of the podcast. Just roast the shit oh, out of us. Uh, and we'll, leave, we'll just, I don't know, we're going to have fun. Celebrate the opening of the season. Chirp us. Chirp us one time. Leave us some five-star chirps. We'll read them on the show at the end of next week. We're going to have a big preview with uh, with uh, the athletic team, us, Rick Carpinello, Shayna Goldman, and it uh, should be a fun time. So at the end of the show, we'll read a little bit of roasts and chirps for us, and uh, we'll leave a couple good ones for us, okay? All right. Love you guys. Let's transition over to our interview with Mike and Tom. Bye. Or transition, rather. Tran. Position. Hey, we're back with our first guests and only guests of the day. We have Tom Merch Jr. and Mike Murphy Sr. of Bantering the Blue Shirts uh, from BlueShirtsBanter.com, your number one resource other than TheAthletic.com for New York Rangers news. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you fine gentlemen doing? A nice self-plug makes everything better for me personally. But listen, it's 2021. It's a new year. 2020 is behind us. Time is a concept, but I'm still... I'm feeling a lot better. I feel refreshed in the new year. Hockey is, as we're recording this, 10 days away for New York Ranger hockey. That is nine days for NHL hockey. Really? Crazy. Uh, after uh, the layoffs since March, I couldn't be happier. It's been really strange uh, being on Twitter.com because like, I have shit to tweet about instead of just like making stuff up for like the last eight months. So it's been a, it's been a refreshing start to the season, at least for me. Yeah, our... our egg existential dread brought on by the jack johnson signing now has actual like like venom and fire to it it's wonderful right it has like uh it's no longer just this abstract oh whenever hockey starts there's jack johnson to think about now we actually get to think about that which is just a whole thing that, now, uh, mike yeah. you didn't you didn't say his full name it's opening goal scorer of camp jack johnson oh you know right. you're right i'm sorry and i have to follow I'm up sorry. with that mike yeah. with, with igor out for the season after suffering that injury from scoring a goal like but jack johnson scored on him he can't probably play again how do you think keith's gonna do as the backup oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right never mind sorry my apologies um really a terrible joke anyway the jack johnson thing has been uh, I don't know about for you guys, content machine. Kind of happy about it now at this point. Do you think it's a secret ploy by the, the Rangers to kind of just take one more deck off the cards, get another draft pick? Like, ah, we played Jack Johnson in first line minutes one night. It's okay. You know, we get one more draft pick and we open the window next year. I mean, it's my... interesting to me. Oh, I'll go, Tom, because you started and I'm a senior. You're just a young boy. Wow, um, sure. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to me because with you look at like the leadership changeover that's happened uh you know stall gone hank gone and you know before that zook gone yada yada and you think about like how things have changed over and i don't know why this always happens with you know you put fucking 50 old i'm sorry i forget if you guys have explicit Go. podcasts or yeah. not um, yeah you put a bunch of old white guys that have been in hockey for 50 years in a room and they come up with the same batshit stupid ideas and this time around it's we need someone uh Jacques Martin is convinced that you know he had a, he has he has a better understanding of what Jack Johnson can do because he got to 
be burdened with him in Pittsburgh. And I don't know why he's he was the target, especially when we saw other guys sign for less and all that. But it's clear that he was brought in for that bullshit intangibles. He's old. He's a presence. He can be around. Maybe he can tell the other players on the team how to not lose all their money. You know, I don't know why that's their best path forward here. It's interesting to me that that's the way they went, but interesting in the way that like, oh, it's interesting that like polar bears actively hunt human beings. That's interesting. Thomas? Yeah, for me, it was weird because part of me felt like this was, in addition to what Mike said, it's just getting someone to do something that they just have this, oh, you know, he's been around the league for ages. We got a guy that vouches for him. Um, I also think, and I don't, I don't know if a hockey team would ever operate this way, but they're looking at an opportunity to do Jack Johnson a solid. Like everyone knows the history with him and how um, he lost a lot of money that was mismanaged by his parents. And then when he did sign that deal with Pittsburgh, it was a big deal for him because it was a way for him to recoup some of the income that he lost. And then obviously he gets bought out, which um, you know I, I could see that being like an embarrassing thing from a pride perspective. You you sign this, you know, multi-year deal and it's, what, two seasons and then, okay, we don't want you anymore. So you have the connection of, you know, Martin and you have JD as a guy that was in Columbus. And you know what, let's, let's do this guy solid. It's not a lot of money. And we've seen this play before by just signing, you know, the Wiley vet or trading for the Wiley vet. Um, whether it was Adam McQuaid one year. Um, but I guess oh, yeah. now Adam McQuaid. Yeah. I mean, I guess now that it's only <laughs> fifty-six games, it's not gonna be as bad, but I don't really expect him to do much of anything. And really anything he does positively will just be, you know, okay, that's fine. Well, I will say, uh, I think we've spent more time on Jack Johnson than we needed to today because yeah. the real big story <laughs> in my mind in the first two days of Rangers camp, it's the Rangers actually saying they're going to play a right-handed defenseman on the left side of the, of the D, which I think the four of us wow. were all in chorus and agreement saying that if the New York Rangers wanted to operate like an actual hockey team in the year of our Lord, 2021, they would need to play one of, Tony D'Angelo or Adam Fox on their offhand with Jacob Truba. And we're getting that. Was anyone else as surprised as I was that we're actually getting that? A little bit. I don't know if I was, yeah, I was a little bit surprised too, but it was to me, they weren't left with a lot of options based on how everything panned out, right? Like you look at what they could have done and we saw it last year in terms of how strong the right side was compared to the left and also the, how glaringly bad Truba looked in the first year of his terrifying contract because they paired him with a bunch of just really subpar partners. And doing this, moving D'Angelo to the left side and putting him on a pair with Truba, I think will play to Truba's strengths. It'll be good news for him and the optics of him entering the second year of that big contract. But more importantly, it's this is the sort of like, progressive modern thinking this team has needed to embrace more you don't need a uh, left-handed d to play the left side and vice versa all the time because at the end of the day it doesn't matter terribly it doesn't make a tremendous impact on things like zone exits it's all about what a defender is used to and what you can do in terms of some guys are really good at it some guys are not so good at it and i'm optimistic but man it does make the new conversation, what the hell will that third pair be? Not to bring this back to Jack Johnson again. But yeah, how dare you? It is fascinating to me. Yeah, it's. I don't know what happens with the third pair. I really have my fingers crossed for Keandre. We all do. I just want nice things, yeah. Here's the thing. With the, uh, the more I talk about this and the more I... I I don't understand all the rules. I should. I you know I cover the team and all that. I, I just saw, I think Hockey Statmeyer tweeted about this, that... There's going to be different rules for the taxi squad, and that might impact the financials, yeah. the bonus stuff. Like I don't, I still don't 100% get that, despite multiple smart people explaining it to me like a hundred times. But I, I think Miller, the problem is that the bonuses, like that's why he can't possibly make the team. Like I want him to make the team. I hope he kills it in camp, and then if he does, 
then I would like him and Smith to be the last pairing. Like, I don't think that's a secret. I don't think Smith is, is as bad as everyone said he is. I think he got a really unfair role last year when he was asked to play a winger, like a lot of the time. And I think Smith could be serviceable. Is he the perfect partner for Keandre Miller right off the bat? No, of course not. But I, I hope Keandre can earn that spot. And there are other players too that can easily earn that left-handed defenseman spot over Jack Johnson. I just wonder if we see that. Now, again, we've talked Jack too much Jack Johnson, but when it comes to Keandre Miller, there's nothing more I want other than like a tremendous season from Capococco and Lafreniere than, uh, than to see Keandre Miller succeed in his first season as a New York Ranger. Now, not to talk baseball on a, what's clearly a hockey podcast. It's a Mets podcast, but, but yeah, go on. Yeah, but like the way I look at the whole situation, it's it's almost like service time manipulation with – okay, these players have certain bonuses in their contract, like if they play X amount of games or if they hit, you know, certain thresholds of, of finishing on the team. I think there it's mostly for defensemen. It's like if you finish um, second in on your team in average ice time or plus minus or um, certain percentages, points per game and all that, which I don't think someone like Miller would hit. And if he does, then, you know, that's obviously a really good problem to have. Um, but I think what is good about the fact that it is a shortened season is that where they had signed all these guys, whether it's like Potato is one of them where, oh man, you know, this is for expansion. They're going to have to play as so many games, but now that everything is shortened, it's less of a liability for them. But um, I, I think that, you give Miller a chance to prove that he doesn't belong. And then at the very least, yes, he's on that taxi squad on paper, but he's still with the team. He's still traveling with the team. It's still getting used to what it's like to be an NHL player, being able to participate in practices. That's all good learning development um, that he would otherwise be getting in Hartford. Um, but I, I think it, it's worth a shot because while I'm, I'm interested to see what D'Angelo can do on the left side. I think that for someone like him who his his game is offensive minded, I don't know how much of a difference we're going to see by him being on the left side of the ice versus the right. I agree. It's a it's a whole situation where it's like, well, Keandre, yes, he's with the team, but like this you say travel with the team, like the team's not traveling that much, right? Like I mean, oh, yeah. most, most of their games are with in New Jersey or the on the island, like <laughs> or Pittsburgh. To, like to be to be fair, I think I think this year more than any other year, maybe we've always put too much develop development emphasis on having to play in the American Hockey League. Mm -hmm. But the Hartford Wolfpack are going to play two teams this year. Two. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty they're great. Playing, right? yeah. They're playing Providence and Bridgeport. So it might be it might honestly be better for someone like Keandre to be on the taxi squad all season, even if he doesn't play any any games, because I don't know what you would learn from any prospect playing in the American Hockey League this year. You yeah, might who actually the hell knows what you'll learn from the AHL in entirety this year, especially the teams in the Wolfpack's division. Like you said, Greg, it's it's a three team the three team division. division. It's, it's this it's just like a it's like a game in musical chairs where there's you know there's chairs for everybody and they just look at each other like oh it's you this time all right uh, how about next week oh it's you then and, and like by the way if one of those teams like that? gets quarantined then what. Like, it's just the two teams? Like, that's it? So maybe it is oh, better no. just to practice with the NHL players all year and rather than be down in the AHL. Like, you I, I you mentioned before, Tom, like, service cap manipulation. Uh, manipulation. I don't know why that just messed my whole language up, but it did. Uh, but, I, you know, maybe they send down – they can't send down Kako or Lafreniere even if they want to at this point, like, to save the money. It, it's ridiculous to have, like, two – just to play bridge for it. That's insane. Why would the hell do they even do that? I guess to save money, probably. Yeah, there's like certain players, it it's all depends on how their contract is structured that I think the example he used is like, like Mika used was like Shesterkin, where his his actual dollars on an AHL roster is significantly less than the NHL roster. And it's basically, it doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. and But it's if they're playing this, uh, Jenga of okay, where it, say Morgan Barron makes a team and he obviously has bonuses. Well, we need to do this on off days, and it, it's all really stupid. And again, like 
you've never really seen in the NHL where a team has had this many young players with contracts that have bonuses and trying to balance it. So I guess it's kind of like um, territory that's not been explored yet, but I would assume that given the lengthy layoff and everything that they've figured out some type of equation that, okay, here's what we can do. Here's what we might be able to do. And here's what happens if say someone gets hurt, someone gets sick, so on and so forth. Yeah. It's going to be quite an interesting I, again, all this stuff doesn't make sense to me. I know I'm supposed to be able to explain it, but the financials of it is is not what I do. I don't understand how you can manipulate. I know this isn't baseball like the service time like you talked about, but to manipulate those kind of players to get, I don't know. I just don't understand the cap system in that way. And my apologies to everyone listening for my dumbass takes. But let's get to something I do understand, at least I think I do, and that's Lafreniere um, playing on the third line, announced with Hedl and Gauthier as the what is officially so far the third line going into camp. What are your thoughts on that, Tom, so far? I think it's really cool. Um, obviously having Heedle playing with two wingers that have some idea of, you know, what to do offensively. And that's kind of a, an understatement. Um, you also have, you know, like a little bit of a, you know, a French connection with having, uh, you know, La- Lafreniere on one and Gauthier on the other. But um, I, I think more or less, it's kind of what you want to see. You're not putting pressure on Lafreniere to do much of anything, even though obviously as a number one pick, everyone's going to be looking at what he's doing. Um, it's giving Heedle an opportunity to show elements of his game that we kind of wanted to see more of last year, but he wasn't given all of those opportunities. Um, but I am excited for it because it's a youth line. It's a line with speed. It's a line with offensive ability and it's kind of like the future but now because as you look at the future of this team down the middle you would figure that when this team is at its peak contention you would want to have Heedle in the top six uh Lafreniere is like is a no-brainer and then it's also giving us a little more of a chance to see what what Godier has um but I'm thrilled because of also how it sets up uh the other lines uh, so far Michael? It's the right place to start them, but I, you know, it's training camp. The lines we get at the end of training camp are probably going to look different and the pairings too. The real thing that I immediately think of is, oh, you know, the what this team looks like down the right wing is so different because Jesper Foster is no longer here. Another guy, I mentioned like the leadership changeover. That's another guy that's been a fixture in the locker room that is an interesting thing to think about this year is an emerging storyline but the thing that stands out to me is all right if it's not Gauthier then is it Brennan Lemieux do I want Brennan Lemieux with Lafreniere and Heedle no no the answer is no so yeah it's 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 a very clear no uh Gauthier like we had a pretty small sample of him in the NHL in general not just with the Rangers but you know what he's capable of I like like I was trying to take a closer look at what he really did in the AHL and whether or not it's, it's hard. Like there's my favorite site uh, in terms of a database for AHL data is the AHL tracker, which lets you see like who's on the ice for scoring events. So I was wondering, you know, like he had so many goals, but was, was his offense kind of buoyed by anyone else? And, you know, of course it does. You don't need to understand that if you score in the AHL doesn't mean it'll be, successful in the in the NHL all we have to do is look at Vinny Terry but like I'm optimistic about what Gauthier can do on that line I just think he's the guy who I think the coaches will be barking at the most there to play physical play big um the guy who's most likely to end up in the doghouse and that's fine I'm um, I'm really really intrigued by what Heedle shows us this season because there's a lot of like, oh boy, it'll be great if this works out going on on this team. Like you mentioned, Ryan, like with like Kako, like, oh God, please let him have a great sophomore year. Please. It's, it, we need that even more than perhaps we need Lafreniere to blow the doors off his rookie season. I agree with you, by like, the way. Like, I think yeah. that's like, I think that's the, I can't <laughs> believe I'm saying this. And I obviously started through Chicago with Greg here, but like the most pressing issue for the Rangers other than if Igor is like the next coming of the next king, the prince that is promised, yeah. is if Kapokako can actually be what he was said. 
Because to me, yeah, Lafreniere's floor big. is so easy to see. Like, it, uh, Chris Kreider said it best today. He's a thick boy out there. And he's ready. Like, he sees the ice really well. He <laughs> He's uh, he's understandable. Like, he's going to be... He's he's high ceiling pretty much no matter what happens. Like, I know we said the same thing with he's, Kako last he's year. He's a lot but... more developed as a prospect than Capo Kako was. Like, By Kako far. had, like, this really tantalizing tool set you looked at him playing men in finland and you looked at the way he used his frame and his big body and you're like wow this kid like he's like a little baby yager in, in some moments then we we watched him play here and it's like oh no oh he can't skate he's like what the hell <laughs> he's like what like what peter pruka looked like when he wasn't playing with yager or something like it was just trying to find a groove trying to find chemistry and then of course they didn't play him with anybody worth a damn but What's so interesting to me about that third line is you're putting Lafreniere in a position to succeed. Let him play not top defensive pairs. Shelter him a little bit on that third line. Let teams really worry about uh, a line that has Benajad and a line that has Panarin so that Lafreniere can get the goddamn puck on his stick and get to work, which we didn't get to see at all with uh, Capo Caco. And that is not to dismiss the shortcomings of his rookie season because a lot of that does end up on his shoulders it has to um but i look at what that third line represents and like tom said i like that it can skate i like that you have uh lafreniere who can really make plays i love what filipino represents and man oh man does this team need filipino to work out so i hope there's a blossoming of some sort of chemistry between hedel and laugh in particular because that would be tremendous to see well, one, all I know is once COVID is over, I'm really excited for Mike to open up his Broadway hit Men in Finland and <laughs> watch that all the time. Uh, guys, I, 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 as we know, big, big Gauthier guy. If anything, I think my brand is defined as being a big fan of the brick shit house himself. Should we be optimistic that even with Mika currently being away from the team, and Brett Howden, the man rocket himself, currently getting a look <laughs> in between Zib- um, in Zibanejad's spot. Should we be optimistic that Howden wasn't just immediately penciled in as the Rangers' third-line white right winger like we all thought he was going to be? I, mean, I like I would... it. It's good news to me. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Tom. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that the lines that where it's okay – Howden is just as a placeholder. Um, I, I would hope that that's the case because um, if this organization still feels that there's more that they can learn from him, um, they haven't really been paying attention. Um, I can see that the way that they have have their camp invites, whether it's um, Barron or Kodorenko, um, Justin Richards, you have a lot of well, Howden-like guys in the sense of, Okay, if they really show something, they're gonna they're gonna fit a niche in that that fourth line. Um, but if the plan is okay, uh, he Zibanejad can't go for whatever reason. That we're just gonna stick Howden there and put him with two skilled wingers and let them, you know, go wild. Uh, I don't know about that, Michael. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was interesting that it looks like Howden's even his role as the the four C isn't guaranteed. It looks like Morgan Barron will be given an opportunity to. Kind is that of real that though? Let's be him. honest. Like, is that real? Well, I I don't. I take everything with a grain of salt before we even have like real a real look at what's happening in camp. I think it's way too early to to read too much into anything, especially things like Jack Johnson scoring the first goal of camp. Um, but what stands out to me really about that is like we know what Brett Howden has looked like uh, since he came over. And a lot of it, I think, is it's tough on a, a guy like Howden because there was a lot of like, oh, like he carried a bit of a burden uh, based on the trade he was involved in. And that trade looked really bad in, in a big hurry. And Howden was the guy who really kind of stuck around in the lineup and we look at what he has looked like so far and it's really discouraging and really he looks like an AHL level player playing in the NHL. And I think we're going to learn a lot about what the organization thinks based on 
whether or not they really give someone like Morgan Barron a chance to take the role away from him because he has been a guy who just seems to have a leash twice or three times as long as some of the other younger guys. And uh, I, it really kind of befuddles and mystifies me why that's been the case. I don't know what Brett Howden does uh, that the coaching staff seems to enjoy or value, I think is the better word there. But I want very much for him to prove me wrong, just like I want everyone on this team that I have doubts about to prove me wrong. But I don't think I'm going to eat crow on that one. I think Brett Howden is really fighting for a spot on this team. And it's really great that he's not uh, the third line right winger at the moment. Hopefully he'll be a taxi squad guy if everything works out right. I can name you three things Brett Howden does well, but none of them are hockey related. (laughs) It's true. Uh, The thing with Brett Howden is it's, I think he's already penciled in as the fourth C. I know, I know the camp is happening. The camp is too short. We're like 10 days away from games. Like, can anybody really like push themselves away in 10 days from, from it's a very good point. Yeah. Well, I think, I I think the one thing we haven't seen, the one variable that has remained unanswered at this point, I, I mean, there's, there's more than one, I should say. We're literally talking about the first 48 hours of camp here, but we haven't gotten a look at any of the, um, special teams units and listen there's a Jesper Foss sized hole on this team's penalty kill and there's significant work that needs to be done to the team's power play unit as well I mean we know essentially what the first unit is going to look like but we forget so often how miserable the Rangers second power play unit was last year um yeah I I think the we've seen it before we've seen David Quinn and this coaching staff have faith in Brett Howden as a defensively responsible forward, which I think the four of us again would agree that that trust is mis- misguided at best. Um, but it, I, 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 we're talking about guys like Kevin Rooney. We're talking about guys like Colin Blackwell. If these guys have a legitimate shot at making the New York Rangers opening night lineup and unseating Brett Howden, one of these guys is going to have to shine on the Rangers penalty kill unit. And we, we just, we don't know how, at this point, how David Quinn plans to use his players in those roles. I think as camp moves along, that will start, who he starts putting on those units will start answering a lot of questions about who actually is making this Rangers bottom six. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that in the case of Rooney, him being a guy that played, you know, almost 50 games last year with the Devils, uh, 41 the year before. So they, someone in division that they kind of have a sense of, what they're going to get in him. So I would say that he's a guy that maybe they signed thinking, okay, we kind of know what he's been capable of. Yeah, he's 27 years old. Uh, It's not like we're going to see a completely new player out of him, but he can do things that we might find valuable. So in, in at least that respect, it's not as far out of the realm to say, you know, maybe he has a really good camp and they just take a flyer on him and say, you know what, for now, uh, you're going to be our fourth line center, you know, second penalty kill unit guy. Because Quinn doesn't really like to play his fourth line. It's not a surprise here. It's something we saw all last year. It's something he preached about, especially in camp so far. Not that we've had a lot of information was, hey, we don't have a lot of time. Like it's it's going to be people who know each other and the chemistry we have, we're going to be relying on that. If that's the case, we're probably not going to see a lot of fourth line from Quinn. And then if that's also the case, maybe that means Brett Howden doesn't actually make the team because his penalty kill minutes aren't that strong. If, if that's the case, we'll, we'll see. But I, I do like... Um, uh, was it, I think it's Rooney, right? Was the, the, the New Jersey one for, just from, yes. anal- just from his analytics, like not that I've studied his game entirely, but looking at what he could do on the penalty kill, it's much better from what I could see than Brett Howden could do. So I would like to see, or at least get a shot to see what, what that would be. Um, this year's about generating value. It maybe it's about generating value with Brett Howden. You can make a case like, Hey, if we want to ship Brett Howden, or like, maybe we want to trick <laughs> Seattle into taking Brett Howden. You might see Seattle. Uh, I mean, even, even though we believe that Seattle has a lot of very smart people, uh, (laughs) working for them currently. And we know a few of them is that maybe we try and trick Seattle and like, Hey, put Brett Howden in serious situations. I like we did with other players over the last couple of years to get Jacob Trooper from with Neil Pionk and, and see what happens from there. So it's, it's a very interesting storyline going into camp because, well, I just don't know what you make with Brett Howden. If you, but if you put him on the taxi squad, isn't his value zero at that point? And does that matter? 
It's it's weird because I think the one unknown variable about this year is that because of the baseball style scheduling, you're only playing these teams over and over again, that you might have teams deploy players like we've not seen before where, okay, we have a stretch where we're playing the doubles, you know, four times in a row, um, depending on what happens in games one and two. Um, maybe, you know, they have someone's number and it, this is just not working from we tried to execute this game plan and, you know, they kept exploiting us or whatever. So we're going to sit someone like that. Um, so I, I think that and Quinn mentioned that the fact that they're only playing within division, it makes pre-scouting a lot easier. And um, so I definitely could see them doing something where, OK, we're going to give these guys a look and it sort of extends to what we were saying before with how they're going to, you know, juggle the salary cap and the bonuses. But um, I think no one is, I think everyone in the league kind of knows who Brett Howden is at this point. So I don't know if here's anything he really can do to become uber desirable in an expansion draft um, in the trade market. I think because you're going to have that expansion draft, you're going to have all of these teams that are potentially looking to cut deals. So yeah, they might be interested in adding a center, but they're going to be able to maybe make side deals after the fact, like, okay, so-and-so lost this player. They then traded for so-and-so or signed so-and-so. So I don't really think there's much impact for, for Howden, uh, believe it or not. No, I, I'm, I feel the same way. Like it, the only thing he has going for him is his relative youth and the fact that he's a center. But the thing that's really a huge, huge strike against him is the fact that, you know, he's been in the league now a couple of years and he still plays and looks like a below, like below replacement level player. And, uh, you know, it was, what did he have last year? 19 points and the year before he had, I think, was it 23 and anyone who watches him will see the holes in his defensive game. A lot of teams will look at Brett Howden and say to themselves, this is a team that was looking for uh, one of these young, young centers to step up and, and claim some ice time and claim a role. And they'll see that he's been mired. So I don't know how much, like how much you can salvage his value other than just, it, it's not about like, Oh, just cutting your losses here. But I think you have to do what you need to do to make your team competitive and you have to if you're the rangers you really can't kind of fuck around with the clock that you have on some of these guys like what zabinajad's next contract is going to be a decision to make on buchnevich decision to make on shesterkin's contract and all these things like you have to be very aware of like you, you can't just hold on to like a ship that's sinking because you're like oh you know what we invested something in the ship if it's not going to get any better then you have to move on to a different idea and hopefully that's something they'll be open to this year because, you know, maybe Brett Howden's one of those guys who really turns it around with a change of scenery. That would be fantastic. I'd love to read and see that story unfold. But so far, what he's shown in New York hasn't been enough uh, to kind of make him a valuable member of the team. It's a guy who is stuck on the fourth line. And what do you want out of your modern fourth line player? Someone who at the very least is defensively responsible Maybe a guy who can go out there, kill some penalties, win a defensive zone faceoff when you really need one. Um, you know, bring give me back my Blair Betts, as I like to say. And, uh, you know, I don't think Brett Howden represents any of those things. So it is what it is. But he's a man rock and he can get it. There you it's go. one good looking dude. There you go. It is one good looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a real shame with that Hallmark he's movie. They boy. Missed, he's 22. Missed an opportunity there. Um, anyway, uh, with your... I don't want to get into the Hallmark movie. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get into it during the open. Uh, with, with your, I guess, with your heart and feel, in your soul, do you think that Buchnevich is here after the trade deadline? He should be. I'll let Tom answer. He should be. Yeah. And I, I think that it's almost like a perfect, perfect storm of circumstances because you look at his age, you look at his production, you look at the suppressed financial climate, you look at some of the contracts that have been signed recently of players that are of a similar archetype, similar production, and it's not looking like you would, would pay a lot. And I think that there's 
a way that they could swing it because right now he's the only proven NHL right winger on the roster. Now, obviously, you have all the hope in the world in Capocacco. He's going to be an, an NHL player. Like, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, you lost Jesper Fast. You hope Gautier is going to be something of, of value. But it's not like you have any sure things. And I understand, yes, you have Vitaly Kravtsov, who a lot of potential. He's doing good things in the KHL. Um, but you turn the clock back and you think to – okay, when the Rangers did bring over Buchnevich, there was a little bit of a learning curve. Um, so who's to say that you don't have, have the same thing with Kraftsoff? And who's not even to say that Kraftsoff's ceiling might not be sort of what Buchnevich is pushing up against, 55, 60 points a season. Um, I mean, I wrote about this a couple months ago. I think that it's not in a situation where they have the potential to win a trade with Buchnevich. Um, I, I think that he gets a lot more flack than he deserves. And I think he's one of those players. And like, I've seen it many times like the Mets that they let him go. And then it's like, wow, why don't we have any players like this? And then it's like, well, you kind of did, but you just didn't fully see it. Um, now I understand financials are going to be a thing, but, I don't think he's in a position where he has a lot of name market value that you would have other teams saying, oh, we're going to sign him to this, you know, exorbitant amount of like an offer sheet or any nonsense like that. Or even if you play it down to the string and he gets to free agency, uh, I think you take that risk and you try and sign him because he has that body of work. He is progressing the analytics are very strong. A lot of things that show that he's one of the main drivers of the KZB line. And yeah, you've already signed Kreider. Um, you don't know what you're going to do with Zibanejad, but I would say that you make that bet on Buchnevich and it's going to pay off. You make a really good point when it comes to the right wing and like proven talent, right? We don't know what Kravtsov is going to be. Kravtsov, for all we know, could be part of a trade package for somebody that's in the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. You don't know. You know, just saying. Oh, no, who knows? But uh, with that all being said, do you think there's any chance that Chris Kreider moves to the right at all this year? I mean, we've already seen Tony move to the left. Could Kreider go to the right? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, it's something to look at. I, I like... I like letting Kreider play to his strengths, and I don't think you can like. There's a lot of things he does that stand out to me, especially like he's one of the best net front presences in the league in terms of guys who screen shots and tip shots. Like his numbers are always really outstanding. Even though like growing up, I always thought like, wow, Adam Graves deflects everything that's shot his way, and I never really felt that about Kreider until I kind of looked at what he was doing. Um, and you know, it's. I look at that and I say, yeah, I mean, will that make a huge difference what side he's playing on in certain situations? Like, obviously, it happens a lot on the power play, too. But I like a lot about moving, being flexible with guys. And Kreider is a leader on this team. He's a guy who should be open to doing that if it helps the team out. I think that's what you do if, you know, hoping it doesn't happen, but Capo Caco doesn't work out in, you know, a top six role, let alone maybe just stepping into the role that was Jesper Foss on that line with Stroman Panarin. Well, he there's can't, a lot to like. Yeah. He can't replicate there's, what Jesper did. You know, he just can't, he has to. Well, no, he can't. Yeah. It, well it's a, it, they're wildly different players. And I think everyone needs to remember that heading into this. We should look for Capo Caco to be not a guy who creates space and opportunities for those line mates. He's a guy who's going to be a bit of a vulture and hoping to like catch up to what, what Panarin in particular and Strom can do, and then hopefully, hopefully get involved in that offensive chemistry. But yeah, if, if there's enough good cause and really there could be cause in a very short amount of time to try Kreider out on the right side, then do it. I don't see why you wouldn't do it because having that as an option moving forward would be great. Absolutely. Greg, any final questions for our dear friends before we let them go do their own show? Ooh. Oh boy. Talk about pressure. I know um, a lot of it. Is there one player, either of you guys kind of off the beaten path you're looking for to have a big camp? Like 
if you could guess one name that we're not thinking about right now as playing a critical role in the Rangers moving forward, who's that guy? I want it to be Julian Gauthier <laughs> because, boy, it sure would be nice if this guy who everyone for like seems to overlook him and kind of forget about him. Um, I would be wonderful if if he really stepped into that role in as a third line right winger and a guy who can really carry his weight at even strength. Because man, that would be so great if that worked out that way. But uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be someone like Anthony Boteto. Uh I think he's pretty terrible. And we signed him for two years. Uh, but I don't know. Like, Lindgren's a boring answer because he was already something of a surprise last year. But the other name I throw out there is Lindgren. I think I – he was a guy I was definitely wrong about in terms of underestimating just how good his skating has looked at this level. Like, there's no offensive acumen to him whatsoever. Like, But it doesn't need to be there if he's playing with Adam Fox. But if Ryan Lindgren can be a guy who can be your second or third pair left winger for the next five or six years, that would be a tremendous find in that Rick Nash trade. And it would be great news for this team to have someone who's just meat and potatoes, doesn't hurt you in the defensive zone, which is something, as we all know, has been this misconception of what makes a good defensive defender. Uh, And I think there's a lot of things about Lindgren that, he might be someone who really develops into a really quality defensive defender. Um, there's not a lot of razzle-dazzle in his play, and that's that's good. I would just like to see him be a guy who's continues to be smart with when he's physical, a guy who continues to read really well off of his partner in terms of like, oh, Fox is going, going on the rush, then I'm going to be extra careful. And the good thing is his skating helps him cover for Fox when Fox jumps in on the offense. So those are the two names I'll pick, even though I know the second one's a little safe and boring. Tom, before you jump in, I just want to add, it, it still blows my mind how little we give credit for the to the Rangers for that Rick Nash to Boston trade. It essentially netted them two-thirds of their left-handed defense for maybe the next 10 years, and they turned Ryan Spooner into Ryan Strom. And yet, all we talk about is how bad the McDonough trade is. It, just wanted to add that in. Yeah, that, my two that Nash trade really has aged really well. Best thing Rick Nash ever did for the Rangers. Best Fuck thing you, he ever Ryan. did. <laughs> this is why the, the reason I don't bring it up is because Ryan hates Rick Nash and it drives me mad. You're a bad person, Ryan. That's fine. He's I agree. A, you're a good he's, he's a great he guy, I'm sure. You know? All right, Tom. He's do you Ryan. Tom, Tom, what's your answer? Because I don't want to hear Ryan. <laughs> yeah, and just to add, in the original Rick Nash trade, the pick that they got ended up being uh, Pavel Buchnevich. So that was also a good underrated element of, of that trade. Um, but in terms of a player off the beaten path, uh, I don't know how far off the beaten path this player is, but I think Morgan Barron is interesting just for the fact of it, it's tough for him because he's a sixth round pick back in 2017. And it's like, okay, he's like, you know, whatever. Like at that point, you're, you're not, you're not looking for, you know, it's okay. Yeah, magic bean. Yeah. It's a lottery ticket. You scratch it, you hit great. If not, you know, no, no worse for wear. Um, but, you know, he grows at Cornell. He's playing really well. And just to have everything sort of cut short with COVID and then him not being able to, um, you know, finish out the way that he wanted. Um, I feel that, you know, that's something where he's going to look to make the most of this opportunity because he obviously couldn't go out how he wanted to. And he's got this opportunity to be in training camp. He's got this opportunity to be a part of the taxi squad, whether he's playing at center or wing. Um, I, I think that there could be something there. Maybe it's just in a bottom six role, but it's still something to look forward to as opposed to just a, a random retread you pick off of waivers or you know you sign in the doldrums of free agency. So my answer is uh, Morgan Barron. Fun. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck on your show, uh, Bantering the Blue Shirts tonight. Anything else you guys would like to plug? I know you both are, are genuinely great writers and good people. Tom's good. He doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. Follow Tom on Twitter. Don't follow me on Twitter. I'm a bad person. I, I burn rabbits. What? Wait, would you like to speak on that before we go on? You heard it here first. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. I burn rabbits. Burn. <laughs> okay. Tom? 
have a good rest of the show. Thank and you. will George Springer please finally sign with the Mets? It's kind of getting a little ridiculous at this point. Burn him. Burn him up. Greg, any 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 thoughts on George Springer? Uh, well, I saw the report today that the Blue Jays, their quote-unquote aggressive offer was well below $150 million total. So uh, felt pretty good about that one as good. a fan of the New York Mets. Good luck, everybody. We'll be back next week. End of the show right now. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Orion Media. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. You shouldn't follow Mikey Burns Rabbits and also follow Tom. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week. Love you. Bye.